Chapter 19 As soon as we entered Kmart, I walked up to the service desk, bypassing the line, and said to the clerk trying to sound official, I hereby trigger the suspension of aggression clause of the Treaty of Kmart, whereby no Mobiacs shall be aggressive with each other on Kmart grounds. That is always in effect, sir. Oh. Did you get my package? You have to wait in line, sir. I checked my phone for the first time since getting Warren's message. I had five texts from Cheryl, all saying basically the same thing, that she dropped off the bottle and now she wanted her quilts back. I texted her to be patient, that she'd have her quilts when I verified the drop-off was intact and hadn't been tampered with. I looked back at the line. There were ten people in it. And May and M had already wandered off. I wasn't supposed to let them out of my sight. Lou would arrive in half an hour. I could come back then and pick up the pill while he took a shift watching them. I caught up with May and M by the shoe section. M pushed a shopping cart, occasionally riding it a few feet and garnering glares from her mom. You have your wallet on you? May said to me. Might as well get some shopping done while we wait for your guy. Cruising down the aisles picking up various things, bath mats, toothbrushes, wrapping paper, a basket, plastic hangers, I told May everything I'd learned and experienced since the last time we'd talked, and this time I included the magic stuff. When I relayed the especially ludicrous parts, I watched her face closely, but it was inscrutable. She listened in silence, occasionally nodding. M on the other hand, had a lot of questions and offered surprisingly astute advice on how I should have handled this or that. A few times I had to tell her to keep her voice down because we were getting stares. After the shopping was done, we killed some time in the sporting goods section looking at fishing equipment. I'd been threatening to take M fishing for a few months now, and she was finally warming to the idea. That was where Lou found us. He bounded down the aisle with his shoulders back, chin up, arms swinging at his sides, a leather doctor's bag in one hand. He pointed a thumb behind him. You see that man over there in his pajamas? What's he think this is, his bedroom? Bunch of hippies out here. No class. He said it loud enough for the man in pajamas behind him to hear. This is your guy, May said. You know him? I said. I took your advice, Lou said, and gave your sister's bagels a shot this morning. And hey, you weren't kidding I'm telling ya. It was like an out-of-body experience. I thought I was in Dinellan's back in Jersey. He shook his hands at May. This woman. This woman. I'm telling ya, she's an artist. I almost cried right there in the shop. Swear to God. You certainly made a scene, May said with a smile, her cheeks a little red from the tornado of compliments. A scene. Darling, you deserve a parade. These hippies don't know what they got. Back home there'd be a line around the block outside your place. Lou crouched down in front of M. This your daughter? What's your name? M. M said. I'm Lou. They shook hands. A pleasure to meet you. That's a beautiful name. Well, I'm a beautiful person. Lou laughed. You got personality too. He stood and looked at me. She's got personality. That's it, I'm smitten. I'm not sure about you yet, Doughboy, but you got a special family here.
Now let's get them all fixed up. He turned to May. Has Charlie filled you in on the situation? He's filled me in on a bunch of nonsense, May replied, recovering from the flattery quickly. I'm assuming a lot of it came from you. May waved her hand out in front of her, fingers rigid and spread as far apart as they would go, her head shaking a little as she talked. I don't know if you're some kind of cult leader or what, but you need to leave my brother alone. And my daughter. You understand? Lou held up his gloved hands. Whoa, wait a second. I just met your brother. I'm not a cult leader. He pinched the bridge of his nose and bowed his head. Okay, okay. Let's just calm down. Don't blackball me yet, please. I need those bagels. You don't understand. It's a food desert out here for me. Please just follow me. Indulge me for one moment. When he started walking away and May didn't budge, I said, You saw that blue stuff. This is real. You saw it. I don't know that. You could have made that with dish soap and... I don't know cornstarch. Dish soap and cornstarch. Come on, May. Do you really think I'd do that? Please let this man help us. He owes me. And he's the only one I can turn to now. I reached under my clothes and pulled out a dry chunk of skrill. You really think this is cornstarch? Look at it. Have you ever seen anything like it? She examined it with skepticism. I don't know. But you know me, don't you? Lou stopped at the end of the aisle and looked back. We're just going to the loading zone, not Timbuktu. Relax, Mom, Em said, charging ahead. It was in our dreams, remember? Did Charlie put cornstarch in our dreams? I smiled at my sister and shrugged. She's got personality. As we all approached a door marked employees only, Lou said, this Kmart offers layaway plans to Mobiax for big ticket items like washers and dryers, lawnmowers. Down payment is a thrown whorl. I smelled a few Mobiax back here when I circled the place. Lou barged through the door, and we followed him into a room that had a swinging door on the right, and a window on the left with a clerk on the other side. A dishwasher was strapped to a dolly in front of the window. Lou held his index finger to his lips and pushed open the swinging door. They make the payments in here. More discreet that way. We tiptoed through the door into the warehouse, where a group of clerks in blue Kmart vests surrounded a woman in a raincoat. I felt dizzy, and my vision blurred, but only for a moment. When my balance and eyesight returned, I was in an open field surrounded by tall golden grass. The sun was setting, its orange light reflecting off the dust in the air, creating a haze that hung just above the grass. Over my head, I saw the naked branches of an oak tree, dark and crooked against a pale blue sky. I could smell the grass and soil. I could hear a chorus of crickets. Charlie? May said. She sounded like she was a few feet away, but I couldn't see her. I'm here, I said. It's okay. Charlie? What's going on? Are you seeing this? Charlie? She couldn't hear me. Cool. M said, but I couldn't see her either. Then I heard Lou's disembodied voice. You're inside that lady's whorl. It's like a memory. 
You can't interact with this kind, but it can interact with you. Don't worry. It'll decay soon. The dishwasher isn't exactly top of the line. Soon was maybe 30 seconds. Then reality bled through the whorl and quickly absorbed it. We were back in the warehouse at Kmart. My sister wide-eyed looked at me, then at Lou. You drugged me, she said. No, he said. But that Mobiac woman did in a way, although she wasn't trying to. How? With her cackle. Didn't Charlie explain what that was? May looked back at me. This is crazy. This is insane. I can show you more, Lou said, if that wasn't proof enough. There's a guy parked outside waiting in line to pick up something. I'm sure he'll throw a ghost soon. If you really want to get into it, I could show you genealogy records and old articles with my ancestors in them, then I could get my Shanika to take you to those events. It would be tough on all of us, especially since my Shanika's my ex-wife, and it would take a lot of time, more time than you have honestly, but I could do it. My sister had been a partier in her teens before she got pregnant with him. She'd experimented with just about every drug. She'd told me the stories. I could see by her face that she was trying to work this whole thing out. I could imagine what she was thinking, what did he give me? Acid. Ecstasy. Mushrooms. Peyote. Ayahuasca. How did it come on so fast and go away so quickly? Nothing does that. Nothing. If what you're telling me is true, May said after some time, how come I've never heard of any of it? We Mobiacs, we like to remain secret, Lou said. There's always some information online but it never stays up for long. We got lodge members in science, in governments, in all communities throughout the world. It's fairly easy to discredit people or divert them using the cackle poisons developed over the centuries. Lou held the door open. Now come on. Toy section's next. Let's see what those bastards poisoned you with. The walk over to the toys was quiet, which made the squeaky wheels and metallic rattle of the shopping cart seem that much louder. We bypassed the Legos, Nerf weapons and action figures, and went down the aisle with all the pink packaging. Crouching, Lou set his suitcase flat on the floor, popped the latches, then looked up at May. I would like to run a test on your daughter to see if she has ghost heart. From what Charlie said, I think it's probably what they gave her. Ghost heart is a cackle disease that affects a very small number of Arashinikas and Osharas, causing them to receive the memories of their ancestors at a young age, too young. And they have no control over it. These memories cover the full range of human experience, so you can imagine that that can be extremely traumatic for a child. Have you or her had any visions other than the one in the warehouse? May looked a little dazed. I don't know. Something happened earlier, like a daydream but more I guess. It was very strange. It would be natural for you to experience M symptoms, Lou said. Because a child's cackle isn't mature, it can spread to their mother as long as they're still tethered. Please try not to worry too much. Ghost heart is treatable, very treatable. M can lead a normal life. But first I need to test her to be sure that's what she has. I would like your permission. It won't hurt her. May said. No. My heart went out to my sister. 
she was reeling, too much strange information all at once. She didn't know what to believe. And her daughter was involved. It's okay, I said. You know I wouldn't do anything to hurt M. Not on purpose, May said. Then to Lou, what exactly does this test do to my daughter? Nothing directly, Lou said. Normally, our cackle only spreads when we're in pain. If the pain lasts long enough or is bad enough, we go into full season. What's that? It's like a kind of walking coma. Most people don't remain conscious for it, but Asharas with Ghost Heart do. And they're always in full season, always seeing their ancestors' whorls. May put a hand on her daughter's shoulder. You're not seeing things like that, are you? Not now, Im said. If she has it, Lou said, she's in the beginning stages. The whorls would be running in her subconscious constantly, like background noise. But as the disease progresses, those whorls would come to the front of her mind. To cope with that, to escape those memories, people who have this disease do something that's unique. It's called vesseling. That's what I want to test for. People do it even in the early stages of the disease. It won't hurt her. Actually, she'll feel some relief. But I'll have to ask you to be silent during the test. If M has ghost heart she's only in the beginning stages and she can be called back fairly easily with what we call identity touchstones, like her mother's voice or touch. But you can watch me and stop me at any time if you don't like what I'm doing. Is that okay? My sister began pacing with her hands on her hips. May, I said. She waved her hand. Okay. Am I going to be okay? M said. Yes, sweetie, I said. We're going to cure your nightmares. Please lie down, Lou said. We don't want you falling during the test. As M lay on the floor, I plucked a stuffed animal from the shelf and rested it under her head. A man and his son walked by the aisle, and I met their stares with one of my own until they looked away and kept moving. Lou opened his suitcase and pulled out a syringe and a doll made from straw. He set the doll on the floor and stood. Hold out your arm, doughboy. I need some of your blood. He turned to my sister. Shaka blood is the most receptive to cackle. Needles never bothered me. I rolled up my sleeve and held out my arm. Grabbing my wrist, Lou prodded at the veins on my forearm a moment, then plunged the needle into a vein with as deft and professional a hand as a nurse. I felt the blood being sucked out of me. When the syringe was full, he removed the needle and squirted my blood onto the doll's head, arms, torso and legs. My sister had a horrified expression on her face. I can't believe I agreed to this. Charlie, why are you letting him take your blood? What is wrong with you? Lou said, this doll is an ancient totem shared by most Mobiac lines. It'll draw M's cackle to it, and it'll bloom in Charlie's blood. People with ghost heart usually vessel inside mummers if any are around, but this works too, and is safer in this place. He took a Barbie off the shelf, removed it from its box, and squirted the remainder of my blood in its hair, then set it down next to the straw doll. Important to have a control was the only explanation he gave. I don't know how you made me hallucinate, May said to Lou. Some kind of hypnosis or something. I don't know. But I don't care anymore. We're leaving. Wait, I said. 
Look. The doll began to vibrate, spraying my blood in every direction. My sister gasped. It's what I was afraid of, Lou said. I'm sorry, May, but your daughter has ghost heart. With treatment, she can lead a relatively normal life. And I promise you, I'll make sure she gets that treatment. We can give her the first dose tonight. She can sleep without nightmares. May stared at the doll with her mouth open while it vibrated and shimmied across the floor. Then I smelled menthol and strawberries, and blue skrill appeared on the doll's head and spread rapidly, covering the rest of the body in seconds. The doll stopped vibrating. That's not normal, Lou said. Your Rakulek intervened. Apparently, it doesn't like anyone vesseling in your cackle. How'd you know I was infected? I said. He tapped his nose. Can't slip anything past a halamite. M sat up. Can I get up now? May rubbed her daughter's back. Are you okay? I'm fine. What about my sister? I said to Lou. She took the same poison M did. Nothing off about May's cackle. He tapped his nose again. Whatever the poison was, it was specific for Osharas like M. If May has world visions, they'll be from M. Like I said, they're still tethered as mother and daughter. My sister's jaw was clenched. She was trying to hold it together. What's this treatment? Tell me everything. The treatment is otolith cackle, like it is for a lot of these cackle diseases. And what's otolith cackle? You want the long version or the short? Tell me everything. Lou gave my sister a much more detailed explanation of otolith cackle than Kalia had given me. After describing the nature of cackle species like otoliths and mobiacs, he went on to say, Mobiacs are artists for the most part. They don't know math and science too good. Not our strong suit. But there were some black sheep here and there throughout history. Always are right. These science types never found a cackle molecule or anything like that, but they did discover they could extract, concentrate, and preserve the cackle of any cackle species by strapping cages full of lice to shakas like your brother here and just putting them in the vicinity of these cackle species while their cackle is spreading. Once these lice fill up with the shaka's blood, blood that's swimming with the cackle of whatever species they're trying to harvest, the lice are preserved in alcohol. This is how all cackle poisons, potions, and medicines are made. Specifically for otolith cackle, to keep the supply flowing, most lodges arrange a marriage between an otolith and a shaka of that lodge. That way, when there's a marital spat and the precious otolith cackle starts spreading, it spreads when they're angry, remember? All the spouse has to do is strap on a lice cage and bingo bongo, they're harvesting medicine. Lou was catering to a concerned mother, trying to be as transparent as possible, which I appreciated. But I wished he'd just called it magic and left it at that because my sister couldn't even talk anymore, she was so overwhelmed. She stood and leaned against the shelf, knocking over a couple of boxes of my little ponies. I've taken it, I said. It's safe. It saved my life from Naomi. Odalith cackle works. I can tell you that firsthand. You can't let her have the nightmares, Lou added. Or daymares, or whatever you want to call them. People don't recover from that. It's no way to grow up. 
I have five vials of odolith cackle in the car, I said. Should I go get them now? Lou nodded. Yes. I only got a small dose in my bag. That will barely last her the night. Five vials should last her a while, depending, but I'll still harvest some more tomorrow. After hugging May, I jogged through the store toward the front. M seemed fine, definitely in better spirits than her mother, but that didn't stop me from hurrying. She could have a day mare at any time and be exposed to any number of horrible human experiences. Just as I was about to exit through the sliding glass doors, the clerk at the service desk called out to me, I wouldn't do that? I stopped. Why? Mobiacs from the lodge are surrounding the place. We have them on camera. I assume they're here for you. I scanned the parking lot. There were more than a dozen people spread apart standing by or leaning on cars. They wore heavy winter coats and made small clouds with their breath. The sky was overcast, and I knew the sun had set or was about to because the light was failing. Even so, I recognized Nancy, my childhood therapist, as one of the people waiting out there for me, along with her singing bond I'd met at the hotel.